0: As this, the flywheel continues to evolve in digital transformation for various segments and industries, we're seeing an evolution also of, you know, concerns, concerns about, you know, our individuality and our personal information and our personal data and things like this. So hard to solve.
1: Welcome to the Agile Digital Transformation Podcast, where we
0: explore different aspects of digital transformation and digital experience with your host, Tim Butera, Content and Community Manager at Agile Drop.
1: Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Peter Evans, CEO of Extract One Technologies. They're a leading technology driven threat detection and security solution, which prioritizes the patron access experience. To the usage of artificial intelligence in today's episode we'll be exploring how modern day problems require modern day solutions obviously with a special focus on physical security and other practical applications of artificial intelligence in the physical space peter thanks so much for joining us today welcome to the show want to add anything here before we jump to the
0: questions well thank you very much for having me today uh, this is a very topical subject We hear about weapons threats and concerns and issues in the news every single day. This is not a problem that's going away. So I I welcome the opportunity to talk to you and your listeners about how we can use digital transformation technology to address one of societal's biggest problems.
1: Awesome. Yeah, as you say, it's definitely an important topic. But before we dive into the specifics of like threat detection and everything that, that that you introduced, I want to take a step back and and hit you with a kind of a chicken or the egg type of question. And I'm wondering what's really the relationship between problems and solutions in the modern era. And what I mean is, for example, certain groundbreaking solution to something may cause a totally new set of problems in a totally different area. And these problems will then require their own solutions, which may be then problematic somewhere else. What are your thoughts here?
0: Yeah, there's the boy. That's, that's a very complex question to unpack. There's a lot behind that. I think that, you know, as a society, you know, we are much more informed than we might have been in the past. You know, the Internet has given us access instantaneously and immediately to sound bites of information that uh, allow people to somewhat feel that they are informed you know, individuals when all they're acting to is 140 characters in a tweet. And so what we find, for example, is that technology does provide an answer to many problems. Technology solutions scale versus, say, for example, a labor-based business model, which does not scale very well. You know, so software and, and, you know, uh, technology can infinitely scale and can address much more pieces of information, as an example, and correlate that information for an outcome than the human could. The flip side of that, though, is because we've got informed humans, we have informed opinions, and those p- opinions tend to be more and more polarized these days. Let me give a simple example: facial recognition. It's hard for a police officer who's manning a venue, a large stadium, for example, to know everything about every individual that's coming in. But digital information allows us to understand, you know, for example, with you, Tim, the uh, you know everything about you. Google knows more about your shopping habits than your wife probably does. <laughs> And so, you know, those digital insights are available and can be presented, right? We can look at things like who your characteristics are, your typical patterns of buying, your typical behaviors. We can look at things like your face and I recognize you and identify you as a patron who's been to the venue before or a patron who's been banned at a venue before. But now you raise new concerns and new problems. What about access to personal and private information? How is that information being used? Is it being used correctly and with good intent? Or is it being used maliciously, right? We've all experienced uh, overzealous marketers who've taken advantage of our data and start spamming us too much. You know, that's just a small problem. That's an annoyance versus something that could present a risk to a business. As this uh, the flywheel continues to evolve in digital transformation for various segments and industries, we're seeing an evolution also of, you know, concerns. Concerns about you know our individuality and our personal information and our personal data and things like this, so hard to solve when it comes to a chicken and egg problem, what I also find is you know, as humans, we tend to bias ourselves towards what we've done in the past. There's an old, old saying, nobody got fired for doing what they did before." And you know when we look at physical security, we see this to be very true. more often not that people are worried about, for example, in the United States, weapons in schools. And what happens? People say, let's hire more guards. But the guards are, again, a labor-based business model that doesn't scale. The guard can't be everywhere at all times getting insights, such as video cameras could be. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we start to see the same sort of approach to solving new societal problems with old historic methods that no longer apply. I'll use the same example, one last example here, Tim, with a walk-through metal detector. Right. That was a That was a technology that was built 50, 60, 70 years ago for the penitentiary system for the prisoners to make sure prisoners weren't carrying little pieces of metal that they could open up the handcuffs with. Here we are in a society that has, you know, a large number of weapons, a large amount of societal unrest. Right. A large number of people with, you know, homelessness and, you know, medical issues and these sorts of things. And we're now trying to protect ourselves with a technology that wasn't built for today's expectations. So we need an organization or company, a society, a business, you know, to change our mindset Mm -hmm. and maybe not think about the chicken and the egg, but think about instead making a great vegan salad or something.
1: (laughs) That was a great intro. And, And yeah, basically changing the mindset is the crucial thing to effectively digitally transforming, to effectively leveraging these new technologies and to effectively leveraging the solutions the new problems without creating new problems and also another thing that even if physical or an old system is kind of robust and tried and tried and true the longer it's it's in existence the more opportunities will be for people to try to beat it to game it like i recently read this futuristic book which wasn't actually happening in the future, from our point of view, it's happening in the past, but from the point of view of the publication, it was happening in the future. And one of the bad guys was carrying glass knives, which yes. which weren't uh, detected by any metal detector, any weapons detector, not even like, like they had all these advanced technologies, totally next level stuff, but he he outsmarted everyone because he had glass weapons.
0: Yes. Oh, it's true. And there's actually an incident that occurred. Uh, I, I can't name the venue because I think they would be embarrassed. But someone was stabbed with a ceramic knife, Ooh. and the metal detectors don't detect that. And unfortunately, that individual died. You know, and it was not not a large knife. It was a two and a half inch knife, but it was a ceramic knife. The metal detectors didn't catch it. It's also one of the challenges you're seeing with some of the pro sports leagues. All you know, the old metal detectors cause people to divest of everything in their pocket. And it's fascinating, people might have pepper sprays or mace on little cans that are attached to the keychains and put the keychains in the bin. And, uh, you know, the organization that's doing the security screening sees that and confiscates it. The plastic mace container would have gone through the metal detector just fine. The individual didn't think about the fact that when they took their keys out and they put them in a bin, right, they were a challenge. The real challenge to that is, to your point, while the leagues are kind of looking at this and saying, well, we detect a number of prohibited items because of the divesting process that occurs, right? People are unaware that they're putting things in a bin that they're going to, you know, that'll get confiscated. But are you really stopping the person with malicious intent? Because the person with malicious intent, like your conversation, your comment, is going to bring the glass knife Mm -hmm. in. They're going to find a way to bring in, you know, plastic weapons and things like this which then says, okay, what's the maturity of the technology and where's the technology going in the future so it actually can detect these things.
1: So now we're coming to the meat of our discussion. So how can technology solutions and like the modern day stuff, the modern day solutions basically, how can these prevent incidences such as somebody dying after getting stabbed with a ceramic knife?
0: Yeah, that's oh, a great question. Well, I think there's, there's first off, we need to understand, if we look around us, the, every every aspect of our life has changed. The fact that you and I are doing this podcast together and we're in different parts of the world, you know, that's been enabled by digital technologies. You know, the power of the Internet, the power of fiber optics, the power of high-speed access, you know, all sorts of applications that ride on top of this. Fundamentally, digital technologies, whether we're talking about things like high-speed access and fiber optics or AI and ML, and other tools, they've changed the way that we shop, right? How many people go to a physical brick and mortar store versus shopping online these days? They've changed the way we bank, they changed the way we educate. You know, my daughter did two years during COVID, you know, entirely virtually of our education. And you know, she actually did much better. Her marks were better. So, you know, you know, digital transformation has changed every aspect of our life. So it's fascinating to me that when we look at things like physical security. It has not been adopted in the same way, in the same manner. And again, you think about the promise of digital transformation, you know, infinite knowledge and infinite data that can be correlated together to provide insights. You know, the events of 911 22 odd years ago in New York City, there was enough data out there. And people found this, you know, by going through forensic analysis, after the fact, there was enough data out there to absolutely identify that there was a threat that was about to occur. And they could have prevented and preempted that with correlation technologies. Those correlation technologies exist today. And you can use these insights to fundamentally change the way that we do physical security. I know that when you go to an event and you buy a ticket, there's enough information out there to say, we know who you are. Are you using a fake credit card? Are you exhibiting characteristics of a human trafficker? Are you using a false identification? We know all about you, you know, before you come to a venue. And that insights can be used to identify you at the venue, to track you at the venue, to watch for you walking into the venue using technologies like ours to see if you've got some sort of a weapon, if you've got appropriate credentials, you know, these sorts of things. That's a data insights that can be used to get preemptive in manner versus reactive in manner with physical security. And that's that's the shift. That's the change. If we want to solve the the threat issue, you have to become preemptive and that means you need access to reams of data that are correlated in an automated way
1: i love the point about preemptive versus reactive this should be kind of the modus operandi for for pretty much everything right it's better to to prevent a disease rather than to cure it and to or to cure its symptoms but also you you mentioned that it's fascinating and it's maybe surprising that even though we've been going through digital transformation and we've been kind of embracing digital technologies these and it's been changing every aspect of our lives. You, these changes haven't been so prominent in the physical space. And I, I'm betting that this is because the digital space is something completely new and it's and it needs new and it it hasn't had best practices and frameworks and stuff like that established for it. Whereas the physical world kind of has will not argue about their effectiveness and their success right now, but yeah. it 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 doesn't come as naturally or for us to just assume that, you know, something that appears to be working should be changed now with the advent of digital technology, rather than something that it's totally new, obviously needs something new and it's in the digital. So I think that this is a major factor here also.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is. And there's, um, you know, one of the things that I think people need to realize, there's all sorts of reasons that digital has not been adopted, you know, in the physical security space at the pace or the expectation that we would want, you know, are the products mature enough? Mm-hmm. Are the assorted products integrated in a manner where I've got a nice dashboard? Let's use a, a venue like a, a sports stadium. You know, I have insights upon approach, upon, you know, insights upon entry. I have insights while the, the, the patron is inside the facility. Are all those parts integrated together into a complete holistic solution mm-hmm. to address an end-to-end security need? It's still a lot of individual components that haven't yet been fully integrated yet. Um, I think there's also a little bit of um, kind of a strange coming back to your chicken and egg. You know, a lot of folks look at this and say, well, if I bring in all these digital technologies, am I going to be displacing my security guards? Is there resistance by the security guards to say, I'm going to be out of work? Well, in fact, there's actually an interesting idea here that you know we're a big believer in human in the loop. Digital technology is very, very good at looking at hundreds, thousands, millions of data bits Of information and correlating that down to two or three insights. Humans are very good at looking at three or four bits of data and coming to a conclusion very, very quickly. Now, how quickly do we size up an individual when we see them on the street just based on two or three pieces of information? We may be wrong, but humans are actually very, very good at that. So the combination of digital insights to create kind of the digitally enabled security guard who has advanced knowledge and advanced information, it actually enhances. And and turns kind of uh, you know the, the security guard into a profession, as opposed to a job. Well, but also you know we talked about
1: video cameras in the beginning, and yes, what good would it do if you implemented video cameras and then you wouldn't have a security guard watching the the video cameras, right? I mean, you yeah, s- it, we we've had it happen before. It's like oh yeah, this new thing was introduced, which maybe people fear is going to displace them because it's doing the job for them, but no. Now you're just able to more efficiently do your job, basically. And this leads perfectly into the next
0: question, right, about yeah. AI. Well, let me let me you touch on that because that yeah. does lead to the next question. So the, the challenge of video camera systems is, you know, a lot of cameras were deployed to give, you know, insights and a, a perspective on what was happening around the outside of a building, in the hallways, these sorts of things. But the challenge then becomes the average human will will tune out after about 27 minutes lots and lots of studies show this if they're sitting there looking at a wall of video screens with all these video cameras all day long it's it's not a very enjoyable job so ai can actually parse through that coming back to the analogy you know an ai can parse through all those video streams all day long and then just highlight the one or two anomalies. This is new. This is unique. We haven't seen this before. Why are these five people standing by this back door when five people have never stood beside that back door previously? So you eliminate the need for, you know, monotonous work staring at cameras, right? At the um, the ISC trade show in Las Vegas last week, there must have been at least a good 30 or 40 uh, companies specializing in AI and video cameras, you know with that intent and that purpose to augment the security solution with good ai and it's there that's what ai is good for you know we named our company extract one because you know we're in the business of extracting out of billions and billions of data points or millions or thousands whatever the number is the one you know critical piece of information that you need in order to take a preemptive step in protecting your business ai on cameras does that very very well these days whether you're looking for A lost child, whether you're looking for a particular person who's a bad actor who's been banned from a stadium before, whether you're looking for a weapon on a person's body as they're walking through a a system and not alerting on their cell phone and their watch and their keys. You know, this is the value of AI to provide that kind of insight and scalability.
1: That was an excellent point. And before we talk about other uses of AI, I just I just want to, to mention a caveat here because I think we can't really move forward without this. The kind of the downside of it, is, and you probably already know what I'm getting at, is the how the data collection is done and how the AI is programmed. Because we've seen examples of, especially you know when it was the case for somebody maybe who was not Caucasian and was yeah. misidentified through facial recognition and then maybe got a sentence that they didn't deserve they got an unfair sentence so this this is also one aspect of it that we probably shouldn't ignore and that we should we should probably invest more in developing ai more responsibly developing these technologies with all of this in mind mind to minimize the the risks of something like that happening
0: yeah, exactly. You're, you're exactly right. AI, like anything, can have biases depending on how it's trained.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: whether I'm training my, my three-year-old child or whether I'm training an AI engine, you know, they become biased to what they learn. And originally, the to train AI engines, people would look for a lot of data. And you could imagine a scenario where somebody's saying, we want to create an AI engine on video cameras where we can detect a fight. So how do you go get a lot of video for fights? Well, you might go look at Hollywood movies, Mm -hmm. right? And say there's lots and lots of fights in Hollywood movies. Let's go run those through and identify those. But the uh, Hollywood movies may have a bias that a certain type of, you know, a person of a certain age, a certain gender, a certain ethnicity is, uh, you know, the person who's always in the fight. Mm -hmm. Now Your AI systems are biased. So you have to be very, very careful. So as developers, you have to make sure you're creating objectivity in these systems. And more importantly, making sure that uh, if you do use things like machine learning to train your engines, you're putting those engines in a place where you're getting a broad cross section of society.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm glad that we got this out of the way. So so if you do develop AI properly and responsibly, what other practical benefits can it have in the physical space besides what we already mentioned before?
0: Yeah, well, the big thing for me is being um, shifting from a reactive to a preemptive mm-hmm. mode in security. We mentioned that earlier, but that applies in many, many ways. It can also apply not only to the security side, but to the patron experience side. You know, oftentimes what we see is, let's call it the patron experience, whether it's a venue, whether it's a bank, whether it's a, a shopping mall, you know, whether it's a school, you know, a person's experience oftentimes is in conflict with security. We see it every day when we think about, you know, my bank just went and Salesforce just did this. For example, I logged into Salesforce the other day and now I need an app on my phone to validate and approve. It's one more step in a multi-factor authentication of process. And every time we add another step in a multi-factor authentication, it becomes an irritant. Mm-hmm. My experience goes down. And so security, for example, and uh, experience have always been in conflict with each other. I can't have a great experience providing in more and more and more layers of checks and checks and checks. Digital transformation offers the promise of actually making these two things work in harmony. So while I can use digital insights to also get preemptive through the knowledge, who you are when you're coming to the venue, I can use that same knowledge to enhance your experience. So, for example, you go to the venue, I and be able to recognize you and say, You've been here five times before. Every time you've been here, you've always sat at the one hundred level. We're gonna send you the sweets this time and thank you for your repeat business. So I can actually look at this not only in terms of making you know security better and less of a hassle, but I also can use it in terms of improving my security operations, improving my concessions, improving my food and beverage sales, and answering questions like why is one lane twenty minutes to go buy a beer and another lanes two minutes? And what do the digital insights tell me about that in order to change the flow of my business patterns for a particular event? I might find that on a Tuesday night, I've got one set of uh, experiences and one set of lines and sales and commissioning and, you know, uh, uh, sales of food and beverage. Another night, it's entirely different. Having all that digital insights allows me to continuously fine tune my business operations to make that patron experience better and drive more revenues. So for the first time, we might actually find that security is not just a cost to a business, but the insights provided could actually be a revenue generator.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that that now we're kind of enabled to have both experience and security, because what you alluded to earlier is basically friction kills experience, right? And the more friction you add. had... The more well, I mean, I guess that even even people who really really are, don't like friction and don't like multi-factor authentication probably after one security breach they would be much more much more favored towards it. But yeah, this has been a great discussion, Peter. So, sorry, you wanted to say something.
0: No, I, I 100% agree with you. It's, uh, you. know, There's an old saying, security is uh, always too much until it's never enough. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fascinating to me how often people are saying that we can't do this, we're fine, we didn't have a hack last year, but all of a sudden when they do have a hack, they overspend. Mm-hmm. In this case, maybe there's a benefit in overspending because the digital insights will actually make the entire business better, not just be looked at as a cost for the business.
1: Well, as I said, this has been an excellent conversation, and I just just want to return to the beginning of our discussion and kind of take a forward view of it. And we already kind of talked about this when we talked about uh, the need to develop more responsible, more ethical, non-biased AI, but in the context of the chicken or the egg problem that we spoke about in the intro, I'm wondering what you think about how should think about and build these digital tools, digital solutions to minimize the risks of these tools creating new problems down the line as we
0: discussed. Well, I think like with any technology adoption that any company undertakes, um, I would always say, do your homework. Do your homework, do your homework, do your homework, do pilots, talk to others, talk to people who've deployed, learn the lessons. There's always surprises with any new technology, whether it's a digital technology, a physical technology, you know, cybersecurity protection, you know, new uh, revenue generating enhancements on your website. Do your homework. Don't believe marketing people. Right. You know, because they've got a different mandate than, than you have. Do your homework. Run pilots, run trials. But also think about not only what the solution could deliver in terms of value today, but does it create a platform for adding more value tomorrow? The iPhone, when it first came out, lacked a lot of features. It didn't have a GPS in it. There was no idea of a Google Maps or MapQuest or anything like that. But the platform itself held a promise of what the future could look like. So there's do your homework. But then as, as commercial organizations, invest in new technology because it helps accelerate the flywheel to get to not only what requirement is today to be solved, but also what the future holds to. The small innovation tech startup world needs investment in terms of purchase orders in order to be able to accelerate delivering the full promise of the value of digital technology.
1: So long-term thinking is one of the priorities here.
0: Absolutely, short-term and long-term in balance. Make sure you're not buying technology that's just a throwaway and solves a problem for 18 months. Look for something that's got the promise of future also. If I'm looking to buy a a digital technology, for example, A on a video camera to watch for weapons outside my premise, for example, what else can that platform do? Does it integrate to your existing systems? Does it integrate to your overall alarming system? Can you use that same digital insight and that same AI to solve other business problems or is it just a single threaded application?
1: Well, I think we've just gone full circle. Uh, Thanks so much, Peter. This has been a really, really great, a lot of really, really good and valuable insights here, which I'm sure that our listeners will get a ton of value from. Just before we jump off the call, if listeners would like to reach out or maybe learn more about you or extract one, where would you send them to?
0: Well, our website is always a great place to start, you know, uh, www.extractone.com. And if anyone wants to get in touch with me personally or any of my members of my staff, there's a contact me form that can be filled out right on that website. There's videos there, there's content, there's information. But if they're looking for more, just fill out the contact me form. And generally, we get back to people within about 24 hours.
1: Awesome. We'll make sure to include all relevant info in the show notes. And Peter, thanks so much.
0: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Take care. You too. And to our listeners,
1: that's all for this episode. Have a great day, everyone, and stay safe.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to check out our other episodes, you can find all of them at agiledrop.com podcast, as well as on all the most popular podcasting platforms. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And don't forget to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues.